step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this. Big issues or just a friendly conversation. No topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. Friends and family, welcome back to another episode of Porch Matters. I'm glad you're here. I'm very happy to be coming to you live from the Porch Matters studio, a.k.a. my back porch. It's also very good to be COVID-free. I had COVID one more time. Round two here. We're all good now, thank goodness. I hope all of you are healthy and well and eager to listen to this episode as much as I am eager to let it loose and let you hear it. It's going to be a very good show. Glad to be here. I'm also very happy to say that unlike the last two episodes, I'm not sitting out here freezing to death. Luckily, the weather has broke just a touch, but this winter weather of this year has been crazy. I don't know about y'all, but whew, I'm ready for spring to hurry up and get here. Normally, I like winter, but this has been ridiculous. If this is your first time listening to Porch Matters, I record on my back porch, as I said. During the winter months, I fight the cold. Other months, I fight bugs and mosquitoes. I'm actually fixing to do some more upgrades to the porch. I've added some lights back here to kind of brighten it up a little bit, but I think I'm fixing to hang some curtains up, and I'm also fixing to uh, try to make this show just a touch more video-worthy. Yes, you heard me right. Video-worthy. My plan for this year and my goal for this year is actually to be able to release some more video content. Speaking of that... Big thanks to Neil Hiller of Hiller Custom Woodlines in Jasper, Alabama for making me that beautiful flag that you can see right now on all social media platforms. The only thing you have to do is type in Porch Matters Podcast. It's a very quality piece. It's a flag. It was done at a very good quality price. If you're in the neighborhood and need any kind of custom woodwork done, feel free to reach out to him. Tell him you heard about him right here on Porch Matters. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. If this is your first time listening to Porch Matters, thank you very much for giving me a chance. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, or follow on your favorite platform, whichever one it may be. And please check out the episodes in the archives. Everyone that is listening right now, doesn't matter if you're a new listener or if you've been here since episode one. If you love Porch Matters like I do, please share your favorite episode with at least one person this week. Copy the link and post it on your social media page and tag Porch Matters Podcast in it. Let me see that you're doing it. I really would appreciate it. The show is doing great and wonderful things right now. We're growing slowly but surely. I appreciate all that you've done so far. I'm just asking you to keep doing it. I think this episode that you're fixing to hear right now is going to be one of your favorites. On this episode, I am pleased to welcome 
Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo from One Extraordinary Marriage onto the porch. They are the host of the number one marriage podcast out there, One Extraordinary Marriage. Whether you are single, just started dating someone, recently married, or have been married for 30 years, it don't matter. I think everyone that will listen to this can get something out of this conversation. I really do. Tony, Elisa, thank you also for what you shared with me when the recorder was off. Us three are the only three that's going to know what was shared. I really do appreciate it. I took it to heart, and I thank you. Without further ado, let's get started. Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo, one extraordinary marriage. Welcome to the porch, my friends. How are you? We're doing great. We're glad to be on the porch today. Yeah, great to be here with you, Terry. I'm very happy to have you here. How's life in California? Well, normally I get to say it's beautiful and sunny, but we've been <laughs> in the middle of this like crazy winter storm, so it's a little bit gray and... And cold, chilly for for, for us. San, I like. For us San Diegans, it's it's cold and sort of like ah, like we need our sunshine to come out and and warm us up again. How how often do you see Ron Burgundy in San Diego? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Only when the Padres are doing a fun promotion. Yeah, they'll, they'll bring out. Oh, that's they'll right. They'll bring out somebody that looks like Ron Burgundy that's during right, the promotions and stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How let's just jump right into it. How long have you been married? Gosh, it's been an incredible 25 years. Yeah, I wouldn't say they've all been incredible. They've been it's we've had 25 years of marriage. The first 11 were very rough um, and tough and tumble at times. Uh, the, The last 14 have definitely been incredible. So it's been a journey. It's been a it's been a journey. Yeah. Well, since you went there, I'm gonna have to ask why were the why were the first 11 years so rough? Wow. Um, just a number of things. I mean, we got married young. I was 23. Elisa was 22. Um, so you're starting off life in a place where you really don't have a lot of direction, what's going on. And so we, from a, from just even like a work standpoint, just trying to make ends meet, um, you know, she was doing more professional work. I was doing, we would live down in the desert out here in Southern California, Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. Um, and I would work at uh, golf courses or just do some sales jobs. So that was early on. Um, lots of debt we got ourselves into. So that really was crushing at times, especially when you have collectors calling. Mm-hmm. That's no fun. Uh, you had two kids in six years in. And where there's already some dysfunction going on, an inability to talk, inability to talk about finances. Um, then you get kids joining the crew, lost a child. Um, yeah, we we put a we, lot into the first first almost years. got divorced. Yeah, I I ended up hiking the Pacific Crest Trail about three years into our marriage. Three, we celebrate our fourth yeah. anniversary right after you came back. Yeah, so three years into our marriage, I actually got a really cool job. Um, doing paintless dent repair. So I learned how to do, you know, take dents out of cars. Um, and it was great, but the company, it grew, I was the 11th employee and it grew to a, a hundred guys in a, an 11, in three years, I should say. Um, and so at the end of that, I was like, just sort of like, I got to get out of here. So I ended up hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. We did a ton of hiking together. 
before that. And then he came back and he was very depressed. And I was like, I did not marry. Yeah. I did not marry a man. Like Tony's an optimist. And so all of a sudden our marriage was being rocked by the fact that he didn't want to get out of bed and Mm -hmm. he didn't have a lot of the drive that he had always had. And, and I knew I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. And I remember coming home from work one day and, um, you know, this was, this was in 2000. So, you know, like this is back in the day. We weren't Googling everything back then. Um, but I remember sitting down at lunch with him and saying, you know, I've been looking in the yellow pages for a divorce attorney because I love you, but we can't, we can't keep doing this. Sometimes love isn't enough. It, it was enough for, to get a wake-up call. Um, yeah, on your side. Yeah. I was oblivious, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, there's there's a problem? Like, I had no idea there was anything even going on. Yeah. Well, what caused your depression? Well, just coming off the Pacific Crest Trail. So I through-hiked that. Um, so I was out, you know, hiking from Mexico to Canada for four and a half months. Um, my days were, you know, wake up with the birds chirping, go to sleep with, um, the sun setting and the moon rising, um, you know, just adventure every day, moving along, um, this massive goal and to get to a place where it was done and it was completed. And I had no vision of what was to come next. Mm-hmm. And all I was doing was sitting in our apartment. I, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how to really even interact with people outside anymore because we lived in Orange County, which is north of San Diego here. And it just felt like a concrete jungle compared to what I had been immersed in for so long. I I can totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit different of a situation, but I remember going on a cruise up to Alaska. We were only, we were only gone, but about a week and, you know, Alabama boy, Flew to Seattle, Washington. It was a bit of a culture shock for me. Yeah. But I fell in love with the town just Mm -hmm. from the scene, just scenery being able to seeing Rainier and Helens and the whole, the whole vibe of the town where I'm from. Everything's made out of red brick and everything's just old. You know what what I'm saying? I, I, I live on the other side of the country. So everything over, I don't know if it was because of the earthquakes or just the vibe of the town, but everything just felt like new and fresh. Yeah. And then as soon as I got on the boat going up, I spent most of my time up there with my jaw dropped. Just, yeah. you know, just all struck by the environment and the scenery and everything about it. And it was to the point where whenever I was getting off of the boat and everything, I was just sitting around mopey and everybody was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, that's what I'll say. It's somewhat similar, not much, but I can definitely understand the vibe. Yeah. I was depressed for about three months after I got back. Wow. Just simply for the fact that I just, it, it when you go away, sometimes you appreciate what you have whenever you come back. Mm-hmm. Other times, not so much. And I was at a point in my life where I really didn't appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime I passed the county line, I grinned. Anytime I went across the state line, I smiled. And then it was right the opposite on the way back. Sure. I, I can understand that. I wasn't in a good place my 
you know, emotionally or anything at that point. Yeah. In time. yeah so, it just, you just get to, you get to see the grandeur in, in other places and it, and it just sparks something in you. And then you come back and you're like, well, what's next? And there's nothing next. And you just start getting that little bit of a spiral downward of like, well, I can't do anything. And, and I had to just realize that I enjoyed something amazing and I can use that as the launching pad um, to, to do something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But when you get like, I've never been to Alaska, um, but definitely like when you're hiking the Pacific Crest Trail through Washington, I mean, you see Goat Rocks, which is um, right there before Rainier and Mount St. Helen. And I mean, the Northern Cascades, I mean, the beauty and the grandeur and you're just out there and there's nobody around. It's, it's pretty radical. Mm-hmm. You didn't see Bigfoot while you were out there, did you? I never saw Bigfoot, but I did see, we wow. did see a deer kill by a mountain lion, which was pretty intense to see wow. and all the blood and then the, the, um, carcass. Where, well, we didn't get to see the carcass, but we saw the blood where it got pulled. The, the carcass got pulled by the mountain wow. lion. So that was pretty amazing. Somewhat humbling too, whenever you see mother nature at work like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's backtrack just a little bit. How did you two meet? Oh, we have a really fun love story. So um the summer before my senior year in college, this would have been 1994, I had been uh waitlisted for an internship program at the University of Colorado Boulder, where Tony was a student. And three days before the program was supposed to start, I get this phone call. I'm at my parents' home in Ohio. I get this phone call saying, hey, somebody dropped out. Do you want to come be a part of the program for the summer? And, you know, two thoughts immediately went through my head. Do I really want to spend the summer, my last summer in college at home with my parents? Or second thought, would it be so much more fun to hop on a plane and go to Colorado for the summer and just be out there? Um, so exactly. You know, <laughs> what are your like, options? Which one are you going to do? So I was like, hey, Colorado. dad, I need, a, I need a pair of hiking boots because I'm going to Colorado in three days. Um, and so flew out to Colorado and the internship program had rented a fraternity house for us to live in. And they had hired four of the fraternity members to be, they called them hashers at the time. They were like the cook did, you know, light maintenance around the house, that type of thing. More like clean up, clean up and cooking. And so it was my fraternity house. I was one of those guys. Um, I was actually hired on to be the morning cook, which was awesome at times, but also really tough when you have to wake up very early. And so that's how we had met. I had just turned 21. I'd come back from a a trip uh, to Vegas with my folks. They had taken me there for my 21st. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember seeing her and we happened to just start talking. The year prior, they had the same internship and I was working there, but we didn't talk to the students. And the directors this year prior to the students showing up said, Hey, make sure you talk to the students a little bit more. They, you know, just get to know them. They last year, they felt like it was really weird. It was like, you guys were doing just the cooking and the cleaning and they were the students. And so we took that to heart and I took that to heart and I, and I saw her and we began to chat over. Well, that was the summer. There are two things that happened that summer. That was the summer of the OJ Simpson chase. You know, so the white Bronco. (laughs) Yes, and yes. World Cup soccer was happening. And so we tell people that we bonded over OJ's, you know, watching OJ's <laughs> on TV and World Cup soccer because yep. 
so much of our time literally was spent around the TV. Um, hey, that was that thing. was a big thing that, <laughs> in those days. Everybody Absolutely. was glued to the TV watching OJ Stroud. And it's funny because you know here we like are the first the first real car chase we ever really saw. Yeah. You know? But everybody know, like everybody of a generation knows that if we say the OJ Simpson, you know, white, car Bronco. white Bronco, people are like, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, yeah, it's the where were you? So we we spent that summer together, mm-hmm. and then you know we had both anticipated it was just going to be a summer fling. Um, I knew I had to go back to Indiana where I was going to school. He was going to stay in Colorado, and then we got to the end of that summer, and um, he took me to the airport. And wouldn't take off his sunglasses in the airport. This was pre 9-11. So you could actually walk people to the gate. Right. <laughs> with sunglasses on. With sunglasses. Yeah, I, did, exactly. I, got, I got you roses. You got and roses. I was just, I was just heartbroken. I really thought it was just going to be eight weeks, summer fling, have a great time, rock and roll. And here we are. I'm, I'm seeing her leave. And I'm thinking that's, that's the woman of my dreams. Yeah. And I was just heartbroken. And so I was crying underneath those sunglasses for sure. <laughs> You know, and here we are 25 years married, 27 total years together. Yep. Well, since you were crying under the sunglasses and I see the end result here, but how did you man up, sir? How did I man up? Did you, did you, was it like the movies? Did you keep her from getting onto the plane? Did you go with her? How'd you do it? Oh, no, no. I was like, here's your, here are your red roses. Have a great trip home. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it was after that, we, we began to just talk to each other. We were calling each other. We'd email each other. And I remember, I was gonna say, I remember a conversation a few weeks after we had left. I don't know if it's gonna be the same conversation. I think it is. Um, we're on the phone and Tony starts telling somebody, he's like, oh yeah, I was talking to someone about my girlfriend. Yeah. That's what mine. And, uh, now he had had a girlfriend that he was kind of sort of seeing when he and I met. Yeah. And they'd officially broken up over the summer. So when he's telling me on the phone that he was having a conversation about his girlfriend, because we'd never used that language, I immediately started to get a little bit cranky because I'm like, you're, you're what? Your girlfriend? And then he pauses. I pause. I take a deep breath. And he's like, um, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I do not look good here. This is not a good thing. This is well, not a good thing. In your defense, if you hadn't talked about it and you hadn't used that language before, it's a safe assumption. It's a safe assumption. Yeah. So we, 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 uh, we got there at that point. And then I just told her, I said, Hey, you know what? Why don't you come out? Cause she left in August, Mm -hmm. right? August. Yeah. Yeah. You left early August. And I was like, why don't you come back out in September and we can just connect. We can talk about what, what this is. And we can just spend a weekend together. And that was really cool because it was the the game, Colorado versus Michigan, the Hail Mary in Michigan where CU won. And I remember we were driving up to Winter Park area mm-hmm. where we were going to stay for the weekend and just so excited that CU had won. <laughs> Fortunately, we got to the hotel in time for him to see the pass. Yep. I'm sure everybody in the hotel knew we were watching the game because he screamed so loud. Um, but we're huge college football fans. Yeah. Like same here. since then, I mean, we are huge college football fans and most folks who listen to our, to our podcast know that on a Saturday college football season time, you're going to see Tony and Elisa plopped on her couch, 
flipping through channels, watching the different games. It doesn't matter who's on. It's like we just want to watch because we just we love college football. That's me. I could care less about the NFL. Yeah. Just me. It especially in this state. Yeah, in it. NFL does hold it better than any NFL team. Very true. Thank (laughs) you for the compliment for my team, though. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear. I mean, yeah, yeah, Bama has, from what I've heard and and have read, like guys leave Bama in the locker rooms in the NFL. The weight rooms are not as good as what they played in and and used at Alabama. College football. And football in general in this state, high school, it's kind of like Texas. It's yeah. relig- It's religion. Yeah. And I, I hate to use this crude analogy, but it's the truth. Talk radio around here literally covers football 365 days a year. Yeah. If, if Coach Saban was to go and use the bathroom in a bush, they are going to cover it. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That, it is what it is. I yeah. mean, if he, he run, he don't even run for governor, but I think he's won the governorship of the state of Alabama every single election cycle since he's been the coach here. What? So here's he something really? we want to do, Terry. Okay. So our youngest is going to graduate in a couple of years. And because we're huge college football fans, Elisa and I have been discussing once um, she graduates that, we want to take a season and we don't know how many years it'll be, but we want to end up in different conferences. So SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, um, maybe ACC, but drop in, pick up a RV and rent it for like six to eight weeks. And then either that or get a car, we're not too sure yet. And then go to like six to eight different games say in the SEC, but wherever we go, we want to be on the home. We want to, we want to cheer for the home team. So we want to tailgate as a home and we want to go in and we want to just experience. So uh, one of them is to go see Alabama play Florida play, obviously Georgia play in the SEC. So that's one of our big goals. Just do me one favor. Whenever you do this, I, I, one of my bucket list, uh, objectives is to go see a bunch of different games too but from one fan to another save the best for last don't go to the cathedral of college football which is bryant denny stadium until last because if you go there first you'll be comparing everything else to bryant denny yeah that is great advice make sure and make sure you go at night and make sure it's an sec game okay yeah Okay. Absolutely. No, that that's way, good. that way, you can see the the lights, the whole spectacle. Get to sing Dixie Land Delight. Get to hear a good rammer jammer. All oh, that good stuff. I love, love it. it. I love it. No, I appreciate that. That's that's We're, definitely one of my goals to be there at night. Um, yeah, just to experience. Just just to carry on with this, I I've been to Bryant Denny. I've been to Jordan Hare. I've been to Neyland Stadium where the Tennessee Volunteers play. Okay. That That's an arch rival for Alabama. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I, I hate that gaudy orange. But <laughs> it's very it's very interesting and a very fun spectacle to see over 100,000 people sing Rocky Top one time. <laughs> After the 30th time, gets old. But 
<laughs> the very first time I heard that many people sing. Now, now, granted, I went up there when Alabama was playing them, and they didn't get to play it that much. Mm-hmm. Roll Tide, but yeah, it, it was a very interesting spectacle to see. And I'm wanting, to, I'm also wanting to go to every SEC school yeah. and go through each one of their traditions as well. If, when Oklahoma and Texas joined, that means I'm going to have to go a little bit further west. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, that's one of my bucket list things as well. That, that's a weird one with those two coming in, though. I mean, we were talking about that when we heard that this year. It's, they, they used to be a part of the big, old Big 8, yeah, the Big 12, and now they're going to go into West. the SEC. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like – Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't really understand. Now, we're getting way off topic, but that's okay. <laughs> we're I, I, but again, this conversation. But we, we honestly love football. I mean, oh, our, boy I, played, our boy played high school – and up through high school football here in San Diego at the top team here. A lot of his buddies went on to play. Uh, he chose not to. And it's just been fun to watch these guys mm-hmm. play at different levels in different places. Yeah. When, when it comes to the conferences and everything, I'm a traditionalist. I, I like the old rivalries, the ones that's been around and stood the test of time. I, as much as I like Oklahoma and Texas, I've got a lot of respect for both programs. Oh, absolutely. I don't see them competing in the SEC, not necessarily from, you know, numbers and player versus player and all this other. I'm just talking about logistically. It don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, I'd said the same thing with A&M and Missouri. I really did. A&M has turned, even though there are ties to the SEC with A&M, with Coach Bryant, but still. Yeah, it really didn't make that much sense. Now that they've actually got in, I mean it. It's ended up being a really good rivalry and and a good addition. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Texas and Oklahoma will be too, but just logistically speaking, it just don't make any sense. I would rather see them stay in the Big Twelve. I would have loved to seen A and M stay in the Big Twelve as well as Missouri, and just see that conference itself grow. Sure, you know, you know what I'm saying. One of, the main, one of the main reasons why they left was because uh, Nebraska as well, whenever they left, mm-hmm. the structure and everything was set up to where Texas got like $22 million a year, plus they had their own network. Yep. And then yeah. the other schools didn't have but get but like 11 or $12 million. Yeah. That, that ain't right. The right. SEC is set up perfect. Every bit of the money that Alabama gets from these bowl games, Vanderbilt gets an equal share of it. And they I don't even think they were bowl eligible this year. No, I don't think every, Vanderbilt does. Every every bit of money that is took that is taken in by any school in the SEC is split evenly between every team. That's the way it should be. Yeah. You ask me. In every conference. Mm-hmm. In every conference. Yeah. And you're seeing the discrepancies that are happening in the conferences. I mean, Nebraska went to the big 10, which is now actually the big 12. And I think the Pac-12 is still 12 schools. Before every, year all, it's every year. Every year is a little different. It's like, it what is, are we going to end up like, with this year? Before it's all said and done, all the big power schools will be at 16 teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's it, going to happen. It's inevitable. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But now that we chase that rabbit, I love college <laughs> football, but how did how did you get it to be a marriage coach? 
Oh, that's been a journey. Um, you know, we've been podcasting now. It'll be 12 years come January of 2022. Yep. And when we first started recording our podcast, um, we had no designs to be marriage coaches. Um, we didn't anticipate that over the last 12 years, we'd become marriage experts and, and have the ability or, or the privilege to speak into people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in the early days of the podcast, we'd start getting these emails saying, well, how do we do what you guys have done? What does that look like? How do we change this? This is what's going on in our marriage. Yeah. And we realized that there was, there was this gap, right? You know, there were, there were a lot of incredible marriage coaches, counselors, a generation or two older than us. But when, you know, so 12 years ago, we were in our thirties when we started, there wasn't anybody just like us that could share and be transparent and say, you know, it's not just, Hey, communicate with your spouse or go on more date nights. It was like, well, what, what's all the like underlying stuff? What are we, who's talking about sex? Who's talking. And so it was from that place that we started, you know, I went and got my coaching certification. We started saying, you know what, how can we equip and empower couples to, to create change in their marriage. And the other thing though, too, Terry is I don't do any of it. It's all Elisa. Elisa does all the coaching. Um, and she loves doing it. I mean, she loves her coaching clients. She loves the ability to, to sit there and, 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 and work through what they're going through and help them to get intentional and take action in their marriage. So it, she's just, she's very special in what she's able to do and prophetically is able to just speak into their lives. Mm. It, it just came out of a, a need, like, every, like there's just so many people asking and, and we just didn't have the time. And I was running another business when we first started One Extraordinary Marriage. And so we just had to be able to go, okay, there's something here that we can take you through and we can help you through. And mm-hmm. she's, She's coached over what? Well over 400. Over 400 couples and individuals um, yeah. in the last nine years. Yeah. And so she's just had such a an ability to speak into so many lives and marriages around the world. It's it's absolutely amazing. So the podcast actually came before the coaching? Yeah. It did. Yeah. We started the podcast in January of 2010. And it was about three years later yeah. that she got certified. Mm-hmm. And started that whole journey with coaching and in a little bit of it too, was, I think those three years, we just needed to know what we were, who we were, what we were mm-hmm. talking about. Um, and, and for us, a, a big piece of it was just being open, honest, and transparent and just really diving into these issues that couples face. I mean, we would talk about, you know, what we've talked about here on the porch, you know, just the, the tough times. And, and even right now to this day, we'll talk about things that, are going well and times when we stub our toes and skid and skid our knee or whatever it may be, because it's not just this, Oh, everything's perfect. And we're just great all the time. No, we're going through things, death of family members, loss of, you know, this or that business is going up and down the great recession. We, we talked a lot about that losing our home, you know, but also the wins and just seeing our boy graduate and, and, and us celebrating 25 years mm-hmm. of marriage. I mean, heck, we celebrated how many? 20, 25, and uh, with, 15. With right? the podcast? Yeah, yeah 15, 15, we did 15 20, 20 25. 25 years. We celebrated all of those, renewing our vows. Like, so we talk about the good stuff, too. Yeah. Hey, all of those milestones these days, because it just seems like 
couples and mar- and marriages just don't seem to be lasting nowhere near like they used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's kind of like, and I was thinking about this as, as we were even just chatting before we hopped, you know, on and, and even started recording the podcast, you know, you were talking about how, you know, back in the day when people wanted to have conversations, they'd come over and they'd either pull up a chair at your kitchen table, mm-hmm. or, you know, you'd be sitting on the front porch, just like you are right now. And you'd have these conversations and, you know, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, what, what would it look like if couples actually got back to just doing that themselves, mm-hmm. right? You know, if they'd pull up a chair to the table and say, honey, let's have a talk. Or if they, you know, after dinner say, hey, let's just go sit out on the porch and, and, you know, let's rock for a little bit in the rocking chair or on the swing and let's just you and me connect. And, and I think that's why, you know, a lot of couples, they're just not making time for that connection. But, you know, I just, it, the name of your show, Porch Matters it just hit me that it's such a, such a representation of what marriages need, mm. right? They need to have that space. The couples need to have that space where they just go and just like we're doing today, just go and have a conversation, go and connect. Yeah. It, it seems like social media and jobs and everything just seems to be getting in the way of that these days. Right. Well, and I think it's people allowing themselves to be distracted with those other things, right? You know, parents, grandparents, they all had to work, like, you know, work is not something that's a brand new concept. Um, But the influx of social media as a distraction truly is. I mean, we can always be scrolling. We can always be swiping. We can, you know, all of these things. And it's going, wait a minute, there's, there's a real life human being that I made a commitment to. Am I like, if I spent as much time scrolling or swiping them, right. and, And having that touch and that connection, what would shift in a marriage? Probably a whole lot. Yeah, you can scroll and swipe me all day long, girlfriend. It's like that might actually be a funny podcast. <laughs> that might turn into a podcast, Terry. I'm like, scroll and swipe. There you go. There you swipe go. me all day long. <laughs> in your in your opinion, what does it take to have a happy marriage? Oh man. For for us, the two things that we have always shared to have an extraordinary marriage is you're going to have to be intentional and you're going to have to take action. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things. It, it, really, when it comes down to it, like, hey, let's get intentional in an area and let's take action. And if we do those two things over time, hey, again, you may walk down the road and, and not get it the first time out. Like, you know, we we applaud the greatest baseball players who can hit 300, right? I mean, that means they're hitting the ball three out of 10 times. But then in a marriage, we give ourselves, we're so hard on ourselves because it doesn't work out every single time. And I'm thinking, man, if we can just get intentional and take action little by little, continue to take baby steps, strengthen our pillars of intimacy, that is what creates the extraordinary marriage over time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just stop. Like Elisa and I, 25 years in, we don't just stop and go, oh, yay, like we got the top rated marriage podcast and we got these books. And No, we're still even in our own marriage going, okay, how are we going to be intentional and how are we going to take action in our own lives and together? Yeah. Can you touch on the six pillars of intimacy for the listeners? Yeah. You know, the six pillars of intimacy is really such an incredible framework because over the years that we've had really it's a privilege to work with couples and, and to build one extraordinary marriage. You know, 
we've seen time and time again, that couples are like, oh my gosh, like there's something wrong in our marriage, but we can't quite put our fingers on it. Like we're not communicating well, or, or we're not having enough sex, but what does that actually mean? They're, they're almost like grasping at thin air. You know what I mean? They're, they're sort of like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe, maybe it's this over here. And, and, but there's nothing that can help ground them. And so they're just sort of grabbing at things, hoping that something will just land. Mm-hmm. And what we've really, like, we've been talking about different aspects of intimacy since the very beginning, mm-hmm. because what we realized was 14 years ago now, before we ever launched one extraordinary marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Was that intimacy is more than sex. Yeah. Right. A lot of times people will use those two words in, interchangeably, but like I tell a lot of my coaching clients when we're talking about intimacy, I'm like, you can't be having sex 24 seven. I don't care what you would like are dreaming about. You can't physically. It is impossible. Guys, you're unable unfortunately. To... Yeah. You know? Unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> so, so the six pillars of intimacy really expanded that concept to say, okay, what are the six pillars that actually, you know, support your marriage, right? That add beauty, that, that brings strength to it, that are able to carry weight. And the six are emotional intimacy. The first one's emotional intimacy. And that's really emotional intimacy is your workhorse, right? That's your communication, your verbal and your nonverbal, how the two of you are looking at each other, your body language and all of that. Yeah. Physical intimacy. These are all your touches, your, your connection and your closeness, non-sexual. Right. So these are all, this is the hugs, the kisses, the cuddling, um, that's your physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. Third one is financial intimacy. And I know a lot of people are like, did you just say financial intimacy? Yes, yes. she did. She, she did. did. Thank you. Um, because money is always a factor in a marriage, right? Whether we're talking about, you know, just the monthly income and outgo, or we're talking about, you know, retirement, that type of thing and insurances, whatnot. Couples need to have closeness and connection when it comes to all aspects of their finances. Yeah. Number four, spiritual intimacy. And this is how, you know, couples connect, be it through their, their um, religious beliefs and practices, be it from praying, devotions, worship, going to services together, whatever that may look like for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number five is recreational intimacy. And these are all the things that you do together. These are, this is the fun. This is the experiences. This is dating one another. Um, we often joke that this is all the stuff that answers the question, you know, when you're sitting in the driveway, what do you want to do? Right. And you actually have an answer, right? And you're <laughs> laughing right now. I know people can't see it, but you're laughing because you've sat in the driveway and you've had the conversation and it's gone back and forth probably three, four, seven times. What do you want to do? I don't care. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw something you out. Do, I'll go. And then you throw something out. And as I have said in the past, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right? But you just said you didn't care. Right. That's usually my answer. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And then everybody gets frustrated. And if you have kids and you have a sitter inside, now you're getting irritated. So building the recreational intimacy just is like, what does it look like for us to have fun? Well, after the I do. Yeah. And the final one is sexual intimacy. And this is everything that includes your your sexual um, closeness and connection from initiating foreplay, sexual intercourse. This is also talking about, you know, toys, lube. How are you guys connecting in your bedroom, outside your bedroom? Everything that has to deal with your your sexual uh, pleasure. Those are the six. Okay. How, how important is it? I know some people struggle with the whole 
feeling like they have to do everything together mm-hmm. as far as activities goes. How important is it to still somewhat have like, like for you, do you have a certain girlfriends or guy friends that you go and hang out with? How much of a separation and just having a little bit of your own time? How often does, how often does that happen for y'all? And overall, Mm -hmm. as far as marriages goes, how much do you suggest that? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't think there's there's one set formula. Um, it is important for both husbands and wives to to have friends who they get out and do stuff with. The caveat that I will put on that is um, if you are married and you're only hanging out with single people because all your friends are single, that can be a slippery slope because yeah. single people view the world differently than married people. And they sometimes engage in behaviors that are not marriage friendly. So you want to be careful about spending too much time with singles. And, and also, of, and then I'd also even say of the opposite sex, like, Hey, 100%. like I have my guy friends that we hang out. I'm a, I'm an avid road cyclist. So when you ask about like, how much time do I get to just go do my own activities, my own things? Um, it's quite a bit in all honesty. I, I get, I get a lot of time to just be on my bike and, just ride and in, in, in the winter months it's it's inside and and we'll share the garage and Elisa will be on her treadmill while I'm on my my rollers um, but in the summer months spring summer fall it's not uncommon for me to just go out for an hour two hour ride go do some things uh, not uncommon for her or for myself to just meet up with our friends guy friends for me girlfriends for her go to the coffee shop you know I got a bunch of guys here who love they're, they're just amazing cooks I got one buddy from the south from he's an LSU guy um but <laughs> I yeah, still right. love him. <laughs> but he but he just makes what is it jambalaya and all these like Crawfish boil, crawfish boil, yeah. and and they love. He loves making his steaks, and I got another buddy who's English who also does that. So we'll all get together, and we'll just have these big old, just like, just these just food fast. The guys food just fast, meat, like, and all of us just hang out, just hanging. We're just doing our thing, and she'll do the same thing with her girls. And so I think the big thing is just knowing though that we also have each other on the calendar to do something. Mm-hmm. Like we make sure, like. Hey, we're going out together as well. Like we got some activities that we're also planning together. Real quick, Jerry, I just want to add one more thing to this. It's also important knowing what season of marriage you're in. So like if you have little kids, you might be spending more time at home and less time with your friends and buddies, right? It's a season. We're in a season now where we've got one out of the house and one who got her driver's license. So we have a whole lot more free time. And so to spend time with friends or to spend time, you know, going out and investing time in our hobbies and that type of thing, it's easier now, but it's important to, we were in a season when our kids were younger, where we spent, we didn't have that. We didn't have that luxury. You got to put kids down and all that sort of stuff. You know, it it takes a lot of work when they can go to sleep on their own. Things change. (laughs) I've got to ask this. Is your LSU friend a real big fan of Coach O? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> he's happy kojo is gone oh my gosh that was yeah, awesome a lot a lot of them are yeah. i think kojo's happy as pie he, he just walked away with 17.5 million like 
I, I would be happy for that, but he, he's got a long road ahead of him for oh, all, every other, all the other stuff. That's oh, I understand, but dude walked away with 17.5 million and didn't coach this year. <laughs> I mean, that sign, sign me up to be a coach on that, on just that part. I don't, I don't want all the extra crap that he got stuck with, but you know, um, uh, 17 mil. Yeah, I can. I think I could live off of that. I don't. I don't yeah. think too many people would see my fat tail again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be on an island. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But just to touch base on what you what you were just talking about, you were talking about the seasons. Mm-hmm. Can you expound a little bit about that? Because everything, because different times and everything in marriages are different. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think a lot of people get married and it doesn't matter how old you are when you get married, you kind of, it's almost like people sort of freeze everything in time, right? Like here's where we are. This is what we look like on our wedding day. And then it doesn't matter if kids come into the picture or jobs change. We, we get this perception that we're just frozen in that place and everything should be just like it was when we started. And the the fact of the matter is that when jobs change, you know, whether, you know, your schedules change or your responsibilities change, if you bring children into your marriage or, you know, maybe you had kids because you're a blended family, you know, kids came with the marriage and then they're moving out or those types of things where couples individually are constantly growing, but the marriage is constantly growing and changing. And it's so important that we, we have regular check-ins with one another to say, Hey, where are we right now? And to understand that if you are in a season, let's say, you know, you're newlyweds and you don't have kids. I mean, I will tell you that the number one thing that Tony tells newlyweds who do not have children when they get married is um, he talks to them about just walking around their house naked. He's like, just like, there's no one in your home. It's just the two of you. You literally should walk in your front door, close and lock the door, and you should just be naked. Just Enjoy it. You don't have kids. It would cause a lot. It would it would decrease a lot of fights because it's really hard to fight your spouse when you're naked. I've always heard that. And I've always heard anytime one of them starts arguing or trying to start an argument, just strip, just strip down. And so I, I tell, I tell a lot of newlywed folks that like, just have fun. Like you you don't have to have it all put together. It's going to take you at least a year just to figure it out. Like you don't even know how to like, sleep in the same bed together the first six months or so, like you're still trying to figure that out or which way the toilet paper roll goes, which We're we all still which having we, that. Which we all know it goes under. Um, it's actually not an issue anymore in our marriage. It's just kind of a funny thing. Cause I, I can work with toilet paper going either direction. Although you still will put it on going over. Cause it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> uh, like I'm like, it's toilet paper. It's on the roll. It works. That. Thank you. Thank you. I agree one, 100%. I don't care which direction it comes off. Just as long as it comes off into my hand. I, yeah, I just need there to be toilet paper. I'm married right. to a man that it has to go under. And so I don't, you know, but these are the things that even 26, 25 years later, we're still figuring out. But <laughs> I don't know if we're figuring it out. It's just the I'm way it is it. at this point. Oh, <laughs> oh, so, stuff, stuff. You just roll with it. You just roll with it. And so different seasons happen. And you just got to be in it. And in those seasons where it is stressful, where there is a lot going on, mm-hmm. th- there is the, hey, you know what? If you need to get help, don't hesitate. I think that's something that I've learned over the years. Too many people wait too long, mm-hmm. and especially in marriages. They sit back. Everything's going to get better. They, they, they wish and they pray and they hope 
and then things don't change and they're wondering why. And, and a lot of it is even their, their own stuff. And yet they're not being intentional. They're not taking action to going out and seeking out help and going, okay, what can I do? Um, and so that's where I think you begin to go, oh, wow, like I, we can do something else. And I, and, and that's where we're, we're really blessed with the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, because when we're talking to the one family, they get to listen in and just hear. And, and so many of them do, they're going, oh my goodness, I never thought about that. And we're going to do this this mm-hmm. week, or we're going to make this change. And that's where something happens for them in that season that just shifts everything in their marriage. What are some of the most common issues affecting marriages these days that you come across? One of the big ones is uh, busyness. People are saying yes to a lot of things um, and a lot of really good things, right? It's not like we're just, you know, overwhelming ourselves with, with junk. We're saying yes to a lot of really good things, but there's a finite amount of time and you're married. So let's start with saying yes to your spouse and the time that the two of you need to actually cultivate your marriage and then figure out what else can fit into that instead of saying yes to everything else, which means that you have to say no to your spouse. You say no to spending time with them. You say no to having sex with them. You say no to talking with them. You say no to doing anything with them because you're, you know, you're too tired, too mm-hmm. tired or too busy. So I think busyness is one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. There, there's just so many at times. Yeah. I'm like, I, I could give you a laundry list, right? Yeah. Um, in, in just the, the, the ability to just say, Hey, I, I think in this day and age too, people willing to stand upon their vows and go, mm. this is the commitment I've made. Mm-hmm. And it took me some time to even understand that as well. And we've had to, we've, we've renewed our vows. Mm-hmm. We've gone through and, and read every, we've done episodes on just every single line to remember, like, what's the commitment I said, um, and we say at the top of the show, you know, my short marriage show is about sex, love, and commitment. And I think that one word sometimes mm-hmm. um, people, they, they sort of go, eh, it, it's disposable. Yeah. And I really That's don't good. think it is when you really deep down go like you committed to this person, you, you walk through that, that dating season with them and, and then going through the engagement and then getting married. Um, what are you doing to stay committed? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this too, Terry, is that, hey, if you're in a relationship where there's emotional abuse, physical abuse, by all means, protect yourself, mm-hmm. get out. Absolutely. Get like that's not acceptable. And absolutely, I don't care what anybody says. Those things are not acceptable. And I don't think um, our Heavenly Father would ever want us to live like that. And I don't no. think you should have to live like that. And no. so get protection, get help. Um, and I say that because so many people just wait and wait. And I don't ever want to see somebody in that place. Mm-hmm. I just don't. No. I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40. I've, thank you. I've uh, I've never been married. Okay. Um, no kids. There might be other people like me. They have never been married before listening right now, but they are contemplating it. What would you say to them? I would encourage them to become the spouse that they need to be. Um, We were actually just having this conversation, I think yesterday, maybe. 
you know, a lot of people will have, we're in a church that is multi-generational. So a lot, we have friends who are in their early twenties, you know, at thirties, forties in the, the very scenario that you have described. And we talked, we about actually just went to a wedding in September. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or the couple, I mean, he's 45 and she's thirties, early forties. Yeah. So, I mean, we know people who are getting married at your literally age. across the spectrum. Yeah. And you know, it's so often because I am constantly having conversations with people who are not married, want to be married. And they're telling me about this list that they have, right? Like he's got to look like this and she's got to have that. And, you know, he and her, and it's just, it's a list that I don't even know that you could Google, Google a list like this. Right. And it's so funny because I'll look at the list or they'll tell me about it and I'll say, well, well, are you all of those things? Could you be that person? And there is often this like, whoa, 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 whoa. and I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, you can't put it on a list until you're willing to do what it takes to be that person. Cause you'll attract who you are. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So if you, if you want all of these things, then become that don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Be that person. That's so attractive to your prospective spouse that they're drawn because you've already, you've already met the list that you created, but you did it for yourself, not for some other person to check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it, it is. That is a, that's so good. I, 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 it's, it's a lifelong journey. That's what I would tell yeah. most guys. And I'd even tell you, Terry, I'm like, it, it's a, it's a lifelong journey. You find that woman. And if you guys are in love, like, and, and, and again, it starts with that infatuation. It starts mm-hmm. with those butterflies, but do know that those butterflies, they're going to, they're going to trail out. You know what I mean? You can't live on butterflies for the rest of your marriage. Like 25 years in here, like I'm not living on butterflies. Do I still get them when I see Elisa and all that? Absolutely. Not like when I first met her 27 years ago, um, but it's a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. And it's one, honestly, that will challenge you individually. Like you never thought possible. Mm-hmm. And it'll put you in places that you don't want to be at times. And you really have to look at yourself and go, am I the best person that I could be right now? And a lot of it is like, wow, if I'm not, then what am I going to do? Am I going to listen to my spouse? I mean, and I've had some pretty in-depth conversations ourselves just even in the last month or so. And just going like, wow, how am I? how am I treating her because of the stuff that's sort of bubbling up in, in here. Um, but it's, I find it to be joyful and uh, even through all the seasons. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, you know, the thing is in this day and age too, you find that woman guys, anyways, gals, you find that guy, like go for it. Mm-hmm. Like Elisa and I met engaged, married in a year and a half. Um, a little over two years, a little over two years. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. A little yeah. over two years. <laughs> and we were a little sore because she was also finishing her year. Of yeah. College. And there was a year of college. So the there was a year of college yeah. in there and stuff. Um, just yeah. jump in and let's, let's go like, cause you're going to have to learn. And we still, we did early on and we still are today. Yeah. And, and I, just to echo what Tony's saying, marriage is not a disposable relationship you are making a commitment to another person. And, you know, as we've shared on our show, um, you say, I do not, I did 
not I will. You say I do as part of your wedding vows. That's present tense and that is active. And that is what marriage is. You don't get to keep dreaming for a better day. You don't keep looking in the rearview mirror about what was and I wish it was like that. No, you're right in the moment. Do what it takes every day to validate the I do. Do you ever look at her and question if you deserve her or if you're good enough for her? I used to. Not anymore. That's a great question. He has never been asked that before. Uh, But I used to and and not anymore. I I think we have done so much to really um, show each other how much we we love and appreciate one another that it's like, I know I'm blessed to have her in my life. Absolutely. I wouldn't be the man I am today without Elisa. Um, And so I, I just, I just, I sit in it and I just revel in it now. Elisa, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, I will say there have definitely been times throughout our marriage. Um, when we have been walking through rough seasons, whether it was the loss of our child or loss of a home, um, Tony's a rock. And there have been times when I have been like an emotional wreck. Um, and his ability to steady us and to be my rock and the rock of our family, um, it, it, there are just times when it rocks my world that he is who he is. And that our meeting, like I think back, you know, we talked, we started this conversation talking about where we met and things like that. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was waitlisted for that program. The series of events that have brought us to where we are today and with the impact that we as a couple have literally had on this world is no accident. And, And combined what we are able to do, um, I think all the way back to, you know, that day in June, 1994. And I'm just blown away at the life that we've created. I don't believe in accidents. Mm-hmm. And I'm a pretty hot looking guy too. So I think that, that makes up for a lot of this. Yeah. There's that. Wait, just, hold on a second, Jerry. Okay. Now that he went he, there. He, I was... he is a handsome fella. Yes. But I mean, let I'm, me com- tell you. I'm confident enough in my masculinity to be able to say that. So I, I just got it for the audience here. Um, when I first met Tony and then, you know, he, <laughs> okay. Like every stereotype you have of a college guy in Boulder in the mid nineties. So round wire rim glasses. You got to also think it's, it's, it's grunge era. Grunge. Totally. You don't, you don't, you don't have to defend it, brother. Just like <laughs> his goatee was big and bushy. His head was shaved. He would wear like he had wire, one t- wire rim. The, yeah, the round wire rim glasses, the yeah. samples T-shirt, the plaid. As she shirt. says that, I'm trying to push mine down because mine. No, 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 yours is good. Like, you're, this, no, no, I got, was I, like, got, I got full beard now. His was like right in just like the goatee, literally goatee, like just, just the goatee, but it was really big and bushy and big old baggy shorts down to his knees and his red Merrill hiking boots with like, big wool socks. With big wool socks, right? This is this is the man I fell in love with. <laughs> so. So uh, I, I bring that out to say, you know what? A lot can happen in 27 years. We know we still have the, Mer- do we still have the Merrill boots? Did we find No, 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 we no, have another no. pair of hiking boots. That the, you've had bo- the boots have been gone for, for the boots were gone. The t-shirt's gone. The goatee left the glasses left. So a lot can happen in 27 years. I'm just saying. 
you know, and for the, this goes back actually to the marriage question, what you see and the person that you fall in love with, they will change. Mm -hmm. Right. And how well you do marriage will totally impact that because I will tell you where I am at 47, 27 years with this man. I know that I am more beautiful now than I was as a 20 year old because of how he loves me. I 100% can say that he has made me more beautiful in how I've been loved. Mm-hmm. And that's both inside and out. Going back to his style, talking about the grunge. Yeah. And just that is an example. And you brought up how thing how people change. Mm-hmm. Do people in marriage change because they want to or because spouses take them on as a project to try and change them? I I think both scenarios exist. Absolutely. Um, I will tell you, taking on a spouse, if you're not married, taking on a spouse as a project, I'm going to make this person become the person that I see in them or the person I think they should be. That never goes well. Making somebody your project, um, that's not a marriage. That's a project. Yeah. Two different things. Go buy a house. Yeah. Go buy a fixer-upper. <laughs> Make that what you want it to be. <laughs> if, if you have to change them, you're, it's not real. You're right. supposed to fall in love with, the part, with what you see. Mm-hmm. What you see is what you get. And, right? and how you, again, it goes back to what I was saying about Tony a few minutes ago. How will you love them? People will change based on how they're loved, right? I've learned how to be a better communicator because Tony wouldn't put up with my shenanigans early on in marriage of shutting down and that type of thing. Um, You know, the clothes naturally kind of went by the wayside when we had a few moves and, you know, shirts got old and stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know, you're not a 21-year-old college kid anymore. Can we start dressing like maybe you're a 30-year-old dad? Um, And that was just, that was just like we were moving into different seasons of life. Yeah, brother, I can't say much. My war, my wardrobe consists of about five or ten different pieces. I get it. I keep it simple. I, mine, There's nothing wrong with mine. That. Even at this stage of my life, I wear black t-shirts and either black or a blue pant, and it's he does very well with the uniform. It's very simple. I, I personally, I like it as well now. And you know, can we can we change one another? I do think that through time, though, and working with one another, we can have an impact on our spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, really internally, you you have to come to your point where it's like, I need to make a difference. And Mm -hmm. and one of the things we always talk about is what can I do? Um, Because sometimes in a marriage, there's a tug of war going on between husband and wife because they want change to happen. And it's always pointing the finger like you need to do, you need to do, you need to do. And there's this tug of war and something Elisa and I shared many years ago is like, how about instead of always trying to change your spouse, why don't you look at yourself and say, what can I do? And start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the amazing Michael Jackson would say, who's the man in the mirror? Mm-hmm. There you go. Willing to make a change. And I, and I, and that song to me is, is profound. And I love that video, especially the live one. It's just profound seeing, like we were talking about stadiums of 100,000 to watch a football game. Think of that plus to watch 
Michael Jackson on stage mm-hmm. singing man in the mirror is just like, it, it brings tears to my eyes to go, wow, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Love him or hate him. He was the king of pop. He yeah. was. Yeah. So true. I appreciate your time. Oh. I appreciate y'all being so, I see my Southern came out y'all. <laughs> yeah. I, That's all right. I, she loves it. I, Every yeah. time we go to the South, Elisa's like, y'all, I'm like, well, y'all, what? What are you talking about, man? We're literally we we're land in Southern up. California. And she's all y'all. I, all I have to do is land in the South and it, like it jumps in. Great. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate y'all being so candid. Mm-hmm. If you would let people know where they can find you. And if there are any couples out here out there listening to this that may have heard what you had to say and was like you know what my marriage is worth saving i need some help how can i get in touch with you yeah best place to go uh for any of you just go to one extraordinary marriage.com that's spelled out o-n-e one extraordinary marriage.com you can find everything about us there um and just you know wherever you're at we're here Mm -hmm. Tony, Elisa, it's been a privilege. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Big thanks to Tony and Elisa DiLorenza of One Extraordinary Marriage for coming onto the porch. To find them on social media, find their podcast, or even get information on relationship coaching, go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. If you are new to the show and like what you hear, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button and download the episodes in our archives. If this show has been a positive addition to your life, please rate the show and leave a review. Won't take you but a minute, and it really would help the show. Find us on social media by typing Porch Matters Podcast into the search bar. Word of mouth is still the best way of sharing. Pick your favorite episode and share it with at least one person this week. There are a lot of people out there that have never heard of a podcast before. I sure would appreciate it, and I'll see you next time right here on Porch Matters.